Hey everybody, it's Andy. Welcome or welcome back to the Gwinnett Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, we would love it if you would take just a moment to download the Gwinnett Church app where you can have access to all of our recent message content as well as find out about what's going on around here at Gwinnett Church. And the app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend. Most importantly, however, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. So this year, my wife and I, we will, we will celebrate 14 years of marriage, um, which is really, really cool. Yeah, okay. <clears throat> Uh, it's actually, it's not until September, uh, but, uh, but we, were, we were talking, I know, it made it seem like, like so this weekend we're going, no, we're not. Um, it's, it's later, I actually know when our anniversary is, but um, uh, we, were, we were talking about it though this week, um, just we, our, our small group has started a, a marriage study, and so we've, you know, we've been talking about it, and then, um, and then also we were watching a, a matchmaking show on Netflix, and so, uh, and so we, were, we were talking about it, we were talking about, you know, like what that was like, oh, you Remember the early days. Remember, uh, remember what it was like to be like you know like dating and like um, and, you know I, I still try to date my wife, but like we're talking like the, those early awkward days of dating where you're like, so what are you like? You know what I mean? Like and so like we were talking about those like the early the early awkward days and uh, trying to you know doing all that and so we're, we're having the conversation. We're kind of reflecting, sharing stories. We were laughing and 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 we were just you know reminiscing on that. We're just like man, like marriage has been. Uh, so far, like it's been, it's been really, really fun. Like we've, we've really enjoyed uh, being married. But then at the same time, we were like, man, like it's been, it's been better than we thought, but also harder than we thought. It's been, it's been better than we thought, but it's actually also been harder than we thought. You know, when you're, when you're going to get married and you get, like when you get engaged, um, everybody, uh, they just talk about the good parts and uh, not a lot of people warn you about the hard parts, right? And, and I get that, right? For the most part, it's, it's just well-meaning. It's like, you just don't want to like rain on someone's parade. You know what I mean? Like, oh, get ready, sucker. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like, yeah, you, you don't want to be like that, right? Like, and so, and so I get it. Like everybody's, oh, we're so excited for you. It's going to be so awesome. It's going to be amazing. Like, you're going to love it. It's an adventure, you know? Like, and so everybody's, everybody's kind of like, they're, they're celebrating you and, and you're excited and you're getting into marriage and, and you can't wait for all the fun stuff. And then, and then you know, you know, you come to find out like, like probably most of you have that, that have gotten married and you've taken that step that man, it's, it's awesome, but it's also hard. Uh, I, I, I was, we were, we were talking about it and we were thinking about it. And I was like, man, I, I still remember our first, our first fight. Like when the realization came that this is going to be way harder than we thought it was going to be our first fight. Um, this is the first one that, that I remember as being like a, a legitimate, like, like fight, not like, no, I don't want to go to Chick-fil-A again or say, you know what I mean? Like, but like, this was like a, like an actual, like, like, like knockdown drag out type thing. Um, our first fight, it, uh, it involved, um, it involved a meal of chicken and rice. And, um, and I'll explain, uh, my wife, she was trying new recipes. She'd never really cooked for anybody. And, um, and so we were, you know, she's, she's making this meal, uh, poppy seed chicken and rice. And so she makes uh, dinner and I come home and she's like, look, I made dinner. And I'm like, awesome. And, uh, and we eat and it was great. It was really, really great. 
great. Like, uh, and so we were like, score one for the recipe book. You know what I mean? Like, and so we were, we, were, we were excited. This is awesome. Meal tasted great. She takes the leftovers. She puts the leftovers away. I'm like, man, we just enjoyed good meal, good conversation. I'm like, hey, so are we gonna? And she was like, no, I'm tired. And so I was like, okay. And, um, and so, yeah. <laughs> And, and so, uh, so she's like, no, I'm, I'm sleepy. I'm going to go to bed. She's in grad school at the time. And so, um, and so she was going to have to spend the whole next day um, in class. And so she's like, I'm going to go to bed early. And I was like, okay, well, you know, I was 24 at the time. So I'm like, I'm like hey, like, uh, you know, do you care if I just stay up and play video games? And she was like, I don't care if you stay up and play video games. And I was like, sweet. And so, uh, and so I was like, I'm going to stay up for a little bit, play video games while you go to bed. So she goes to bed and, uh, and so I'm, I'm playing video games for a little bit and uh, and like you know when I say a little bit like that was two hours later right so like so uh, a couple hours go by and I got hungry again and I was like oh man I'm just thinking about this poppy seed chicken and I was like I'm about to go see how much is left and I go to the fridge and there's about half of a casserole dish of poppy seed chicken left and I was like this is amazing the Lord hath provided. You know what I mean? I'm like, this is awesome, right? Like, and so um, I was thinking, man, I'm still pretty hungry, right? Like I, I only had like one helping because I was thinking maybe something might happen as I was trying to still a trip. And so, and so I was like, man, I, I, I'm still kind of hungry, you know? And so, and so I, uh, I, I heated up the whole pan and, uh, and then I proceeded to eat the rest of the poppy seed chicken. And, uh, and then I went to bed uh, with a full belly and felt great and my wife gets up the next morning and she gets up a little bit before me because she's going to go, she's going in uh, to go to class. She's got classes all day and she's trying to get her lunch ready. And as she's going to get her lunch ready, she opens up the fridge and she's looking everywhere for the poppy seed chicken. And she's like, where's this chicken? And she comes back into our bedroom and she's like, yo, where's the chicken? And I'm like waking up like, what are you talking about? Chicken, you know? And she's like, yeah, where's the chicken that we ate last night? And I was like, uh, I ate it. And she's like, what do you mean you ate it? She's like, you mean like some of it? Like, what'd you do with the rest of it? And I was like, it's in my belly. I was like, what? I was like, I ate all the chicken. Like, what do you mean? I ate it. And she was like, read. She was like, that was supposed to last me all week. And I was like, what? And she's like, yeah, that was supposed to last me. She was like, I was basically like meal prepping and feeding us. She's like, that was supposed to last me the whole week. I was going to take that, portion it out, take it to lunch every single day. That was the plan. And I was like, well, you didn't tell me that plan. And she was like, well, I didn't think I had to. I didn't think you were going to eat a whole pan of chicken. And I was like, well, I was very hungry, you know? And so then she's like, well, I can't believe this. You know, you are so selfish. You're only thinking about yourself, you know? And at this point, at this point, there are tears, but it's not, these are not sad tears, y'all. There's a difference. There's sad tears and then there's rage tears. And these were rage tears. She's like, oh, you know, and she's like, you know, you're a youth pastor and we don't have any money. She's like, 
This is so expensive. And I was like, well, I'm an adult man and I can eat a pan of chicken. And so we're like yelling and it's like, it's contentious. And I'm like, I'm like, what did you think? I can't believe you thought leftovers would last more than one day. And she's like, I can't believe you ate a whole pan of chicken. It's, it's back and forth. This is our first fight, right? This was like over poppy seed chicken. And it sounds ridiculous um, because it is. It was ridiculous, right? And, uh, and you know, she, she ends up leaving. She goes to work that day and, um, and she's thinking, oh my gosh, like living with a, a boy is not what I thought it was gonna be and our grocery bills are gonna be so much more expensive. And I'm thinking like, I can't believe you didn't think I could eat a whole pan of chicken. And so I'm just like, what? Like, and so, but, but we both left that day. And, and since then we've realized like, oh my gosh, like, yes, marriage is amazing. It is so fun. I love my marriage, but it's also, it's challenging. It's difficult. And, 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 and I tell you guys, that was, that was our first fight. It's definitely not our worst fight. Some of you were like, that's the worst you've ever done is arguing over some chicken? No, but that's the only one I'm sharing with you guys. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I try to be transparent to a point, you know? I'm like, hey, marriage is amazing. Marriage is fun, but it's also challenging. And if you want a great marriage, here's the reality is there's a cost. There's a cost. There is a cost involved in having a great marriage and building a great marriage and making a, a, a relationship last and stand the test of time. There is a cost, right? Marriage is amazing. I love it. The benefits, awesome, love it. But it's also, it's difficult and there is a cost. There's a cost involved in marriage. You're gonna have to, you're gonna have to give some things up. There is some compromise required, some change required. There are, some, there are some things that worked for single you that don't work for the two of you. There are, there are some aspects of your life, some ways that you used to do things that fit you when it was just you, but they will not fit the two of you. And they gotta go. And they gotta be changed. There's a cost, there is a price to pay when it comes to building a great marriage, yeah? And the reason why I mentioned that this morning, this is not a marriage sermon, although take that, that was free. Um, but <laughs> this is not a marriage sermon, but I, I mentioned that this morning because similar to marriage, you guys, similar to marriage that while it's amazing, there's also a cost involved. In the same way, like when it comes to faith and when it comes to following Jesus, something that you guys gotta know is that there's a cost involved. There's a cost. We're, we're in a series talking about the way of Jesus and, and talking about what it looks like not just to believe in, but to actually follow Jesus like with our lives. And, and the reality is like we, we love to talk about the benefits of following Jesus. I love to tell you guys about the benefits and the blessings of following Jesus. We love to talk about the love and the grace and the forgiveness and the acceptance. 
I, I, I love to talk about these things, right? These are true things. These are aspects of following the way of Jesus. We love to talk about the promises of Jesus and the hope of heaven. And we love to, to, to say, and you'll hear people say it around here all the time, Andy and myself and other people that take the stage, they'll say, hey, following Jesus makes your life better. It makes you better at life. We love to point you to those truths, the benefits of following Jesus. But something that you need to know, something that we often maybe don't do the best job of talking about is that while, yes, there are amazing benefits, there's also a cost. There's a cost to following Jesus. And that, you guys, this morning, that's what we're going to talk about. Because sometimes we wait and we leave the cost of following Jesus way down in the fine print and you just click accept and you didn't know what you accepted or you didn't read it, you know what I mean? Like, and so... And so sometimes we'll leave the cost way down in the fine print, but Jesus didn't leave it on the fine print. He actually made it a main point because he wants you to know if you want to follow him, what you're actually signing up for. And so this morning, as we're talking about the way of Jesus and what it looks like to actually follow, not just believe something, but to actually follow him with our lives, we're going to talk about the cost this morning, the cost of following Jesus. If if you're just joining us, right, I just said we've been in this series. We started it last week where we're talking about uh, the way of Jesus, what it looks like to follow after Jesus. And and last week we learned that there is a difference between believing and following, right? Belief is agreement, right? You can cognitively agree and not actually do anything about it. Belief does not require any change in behavior. But uh, following, which was the invitation of Jesus, following actually requires active participation, And what we learned last week is that we all have a way that we're doing life, but Jesus has invited us into his way of doing life, not to earn anything from God, not to earn any love from God, but because God loves us and cares about who we're becoming and where we're going and where we ultimately end up, he's invited us to follow him in his way, not to subscribe to a set of beliefs, but to actually follow him and and to be with him and to become like him and to do the things that he did. And in so doing, to discover full, free, and yes, eternal life with Jesus. So this was the invitation. So last week, we kind of ended saying, hey, what way are you walking? How are you walking through life? Do you like where it's leading? Do you like who you're becoming? And what would it look like for you to actually follow the way of Jesus? And that's kind of where we left it. And this week, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about this uncomfortable, convicting, um, but also you guys potentially life-changing and freeing reality of following Jesus. We're going to talk about the cost. And to do that, uh, we're going to be in, I told you guys, we're going to be in Matthew, the gospel of Matthew. And uh, Matthew is written by uh, this guy, Matthew, who uh, was one of the original 12 uh, followers of Jesus. And, uh, and so at some point in his life, uh, probably later on in his life, he realized, man, I'm going to need to write this stuff down. And so Matthew took some time uh, to write in order to count uh, of the life of Jesus as he remembers it. And so he writes it down and uh, he records some incredible conversations and teachings of Jesus in his gospel. And if you've never read the gospel of Matthew, I encourage you go for it. It's amazing. It's cool to see uh, from Matthew's perspective, what it was like uh, to, to be around Jesus and to see the things that Jesus did and to hear the things that Jesus taught. And so Matthew, that's where we've been camped out. And, uh, and so today we're going to be in Matthew chapter 16. And before we jump into this conversation, I'll just set up Uh, what was going on before the conversation that we jump into. So before the conversation we're about to jump into, Jesus had just taken his followers to this place called Caesarea Philippi. 
And he had taken them there. And while he was there, they're having a conversation. And Jesus asked this question. He says, hey, what are people saying about me? Like, like who do people say that I am? And, uh, and so he's asking, hey, hey what, what are people saying about me? And, and they're all kind of like, I mean, lots of things, Jesus. Like, you're kind of a, kind of a divisive figure. You know, you're an interesting character. Like, people are saying all kinds of things. People aren't sure what to think about you. Some people think, they said, some people think you're Elijah. You're like Elijah back from, from heaven. Like, like the, that's what some people are saying. Some people are saying you're like John the Baptist um, back from the dead. Right, John the Baptist, he had been uh, beheaded, he had been killed, and people were saying, oh, this is John the Baptist back from the dead, it's Jesus. You know, some people think that you're crazy. Some people think that you're a prophet. But there's all kinds of opinions out there. And then Jesus says, okay, well, let me ask you this. What do you say about me? Who do you think that I am? This is an important question. This is a question that regardless of of what you believe about Jesus and regardless of what your answer is, you should have an answer to this. Because you guys of the implications and the stakes of the claims of Jesus, both for our lives now and for our eternities later, uh, you should have an answer to what you think about Jesus and to who you think he is. And so Jesus asked them the question, well, okay, who do you say that I am? And they're all kind of looking at each other like, whoa. And Peter, he speaks up and he goes, I know. I know who you are. He says, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the promised king, the promised savior of Israel. He's like, that's who you are. You're, you're the Christ. And everybody's like, oh, snap, he said it. You know what I mean? Like, they're like wondering, like, what's, is Jesus going to affirm this or is Jesus going to deny it? Is Jesus going to say, no way, dude, that's dumb. Like, why would you say that? Or is he actually going to affirm Jesus or Peter's claim? And Jesus stops and he says, oh yeah, you're right. That's it. To which Peter's like, yes, you know, like, and they're all like high-fiving each other, except for Judas who's sitting in the corner, like, uh, you know, like, it's a Bible joke. Judas is the bad guy. And so, um, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but so, so Peter and, and the guys, they're like excited at this point because Jesus is like, yes, that's it. That's who I am. I am God's promised King, the savior. Like, like that's who I am. I'm the Messiah. And, and they're all just like, at this point, they're excited. They're pumped. They're, they're thinking now Jesus is going to go in. He's going to uh, kick Rome out and he's going to reestablish the kingdom of Israel, and he's going to rule as a king, and they're all going to get really, really sweet jobs. That's what they're thinking. They're like, yes. We're going to talk a little bit about, more about that next week. We're going to talk about the way of Jesus in regards to success. And so we'll talk about, um, we'll talk about that more next week, but, um, but that's what these guys, they're getting excited. They're getting excited, their success and their ambition, like, oh, yes, we're, we're made it. This is going to be amazing. And then it says, at that point, Jesus begins to completely flip their expectations upside down and turn them inside out. And he begins to talk about what that means. And it's not what they were expecting. And this is what Jesus says. It says, from that time on, meaning from the time that they had this conversation and Peter got the answer right to who Jesus was, uh, like from that time on, it says, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must, not might, he must, 
He must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. So these guys are excited. They're thinking Jesus is going to go kick Rome out. He's going to establish his kingdom. And then Jesus, it says, begins to explain to them what that means. And he starts to say, hey, I must, not I might, but I must, I've got to. This is the way it's going to work, right? He's like, because like, there can be no forgiveness of sins without a sacrifice. There can be no new covenant unless the old covenant is fulfilled. He's like, look, like, like, like this is the way it's got to go. And so... I must, and it says, he says, I must go and I've got to suffer and I'm going to be killed and then I'll be raised to life. And, and you see from these guys' response that they don't even hear the raised to life part because they're too stuck on suffer and die, right? Has anybody ever given you like news and they started with the bad news and then you didn't even hear the good news that was at the end because you were so stuck on the bad news? Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, like, like this happened uh, somewhat recently. My mom, she was in a car accident. And, uh, and when she was in the car accident, my dad called me to tell me about the car accident. And my dad called and he was terrified and he's like in tears. And my dad like never cries. He's like, I'm a man and I never cry, you know? Like, and so my dad though is crying. And, and, and he's, like, he's like, Reed, your mom got in a wreck. It's bad. She's going to the emergency room. And then he says, She's okay, but, but I don't even hear, you, know, I, you don't even hear the okay part. All you're hearing is, wait, what? And you're scrambling to go, right? That's what basically just, ha- Jesus is telling them what's gotta happen and he's like, hey, I'm gonna suffer and I'm gonna die and then I'll be raised to life. But they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. You can't, suff- suffering, death, what? You can see it in Peter's response. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Bold move, Peter, right? Jesus, get over here. You know what I mean? Like, he's like, you come here, stop that. You know, like, so Peter literally pulls Jesus aside, begins to rebuke him. He's like, never, like, what are you talking about? Like, suffer, die? He's like, never, Lord, this shall never happen to you. This, like, can't happen. Like, you're the savior. Remember when I said you were the savior and you were like, yeah? Like, saviors don't suffer, right? Like, that's not the way this is supposed to work, Jesus. Plus, if you suffer and I'm following you, then you know what that means? I suffer, never, right? Like, he's like, no way. This sounds awful. Like, like what? We're not going to Jerusalem to watch you get murdered. He's like, Jesus, quit it. You're scaring everybody, right? He's like, 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 stop talking like that. Jesus responds. He says, uh, Jesus turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan, which is one of those like comebacks that only Jesus can do. You know what I mean? Like you can't use that, right? It's kind of like when Jesus calls his mom woman, like you, Jesus can do that, but you can't do that, right? Like if your mom is like, like, hey, will you get that out of the fridge? And you're like, woman, it's not the time, right? Like, it, like your mom would be like, Ko-pa-cha! and so um, Jesus can pull that off. You can't, right? So I don't recommend you use that as a reply in an argument, right? Like, like, no, don't do it. And you're like, get behind me, Satan. And she's like, I'm your wife. And you're like, wow. So, so husbands, not a good one. Like roommates, friends, like don't call your boss Satan. And so, um, yeah. So, so Jesus turns to Peter and he goes, get behind me, Satan. He says, you're a stumbling block to me. 
You don't have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. He goes, look, Peter, like you're only thinking about your concerns, human concerns. Like, like, like you're, you're only thinking about what you want, what you think is best. You're only thinking about what, what you think is best for me, but really you're really thinking about what's best for you. You're thinking about the easy way, the more comfortable way. You're thinking about the less costly way, maybe the quicker way. He's like, you're thinking about, about human concerns. You're thinking about yourself. You're thinking about what's best for you and what you think is best. You're thinking about what you would do and you're not taking any concern for what God wants. You haven't thought for a second, you haven't even asked what does God want? What does God require? Is there something that God knows that I don't know? And he goes, you're, you're thinking about human things. He says, I'm trying to please God. He goes, so get behind me. You're gonna cause me to stumble. Because what you're saying is pretty tempting. It'd be way easier to not go and suffer and die. But I must. And then he turns to the group. And you gotta imagine, he's probably talking to the group at this point because they've just seen this whole weird interaction. They're like, oh, dude, Peter just pulled Jesus aside and called him out. And then Jesus called him Satan. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, whoa, like this is blown up. And now Jesus is gonna turn around and he's, he's gonna talk to his disciples and he's gonna talk to them about the cost and he's going to clarify the cost. This is what he says. Says Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. He says, this is a loaded statement right here. So I'm gonna break it down just like chunk by chunk real quick. He says, whoever, meaning, hey, anyone and everyone that wants to come after me, anyone and everyone's invited, no matter who you are, what you've done, where you're from, you're invited to follow Jesus. You may not think that you're good enough. You may not think that you're worthy. You may not think that he wants anything to do with someone like you, but Jesus says, no, 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 you're invited because it's not about your goodness. It's about my goodness. So you're invited to follow me and find out about this life that I came to give you and to spend eternity with me. He's like, you're invited. So anyone and everyone, whoever would want to, he's like, I'm not gonna make you and no one can decide for you. You've got to decide. He's like, anyone and everyone, whoever would come after me, he says, here's, Here's the cost. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple, and he starts and he says, they must deny themselves. He says, they must deny themselves. And this is, this is, a, uh, this is a challenging, com- confronting command of Jesus, right? This goes counter to everything that we're taught because you guys know this, like our default setting, our factory mode, you know what I mean? Like our factory setting is, is self-indulgence, not self-denial, isn't it? Like the default setting of the human heart, if you're a Christian, you believe it's because uh, our desires and our appetites have been broken by sin. And so, but, but our, our default setting of the human heart, you know this, is self-indulgence, not self-denial. If you don't believe me, right? 
Uh, you can go over and serve in Wombaland this next week, and uh, that's where all of our preschoolers are, and you will see selfishness, right? Like um, at, at, the, at the granular level, right? Like, like if you have a kid or you've spent time around kids, you know that their default, their like default setting, their factory setting, their native tongue is I, me, my. You know what I mean? Like that's what it is. Right? I have a three-year-old right now, and he thinks he is the center of the universe. Right, like He has to be watched and looked at and paid attention to all the time, to the point right now where, you guys, he won't even go to the bathroom unless I'm making eye contact with him. He's like, look at me. And I'm like, this is weird. And he's like, I won't do it unless you're looking at me. And I'm like, ah, like, you know what I mean? It's, like, it's so uncomfortable, but he's like, ah, you know? And, and this, is just, this is just how he is, right? The default setting of the human heart is self-indulgence, is to prioritize my passions and my desires and my appetites, is to say yes to, to you. And so this, this flies in the face of all of that. This is why it kind of rubs us the wrong way and feels a little uncomfortable because that's the default setting of the human heart. And then on top of that, early and often, culture then confirms that by telling you, yes, Say yes to you, buy it now, have it now. You can get it right now, right? Like, like you should, you deserve it, it's yours. Live your truth, do you boo-boo, right? Like it's like, it's every, everything is, in culture is screaming to you. Like if it makes you happy, if it's what you want, if it's what you think is best, then go for it, you should do that, right? Culture's telling us and our human condition tells us that the way to self-fulfillment is through self-indulgence and it's self-gratification. That the way to true happiness is by frequently and freely saying yes to us. And Jesus says, it's not the way. It's not the way. He says, if you want to follow me and find life, he says, then actually fulfillment, he says, I got to tell you this, there's a cost. He's like, but fulfillment is actually found in self-denial and not self-gratification. It's self-denial, not self-indulgence. It's learning to say no to you. He says, that's the way. And, and let me just be clear, when he says self-denial, right? He's not talking about self-loathing or self-hatred. When he uses that word, that, that deny yourself, deny means to disassociate from, to detach from. What Jesus is talking about here is dethroning yourself as the ultimate priority, authority, and decision maker in your life. This is what he means, deny yourself. He says, it is dethroning you as the ultimate authority, priority, and decision maker in your life, and instead enthroning him. And he, if, if thrones are not your thing, then you could think about it this way. Jesus is saying, hey, if you wanna follow me and you wanna find life, he says, then you've gotta get out of the driver's seat which is so hard for some of us, right? I don't know about you. For me, I wanna drive everywhere. No matter how far we're driving, I wanna drive. And the reason why I wanna drive is, uh, one, I, I wanna be in control. Two, I don't wanna listen to your music. You know what I mean? Like, and so I'm like, I like to drive, right? Because uh, at, at the core of it, I think I know the best way to go. I think I, that I will get us there faster, more efficiently, more effectively, and with better music, right? Like that's what I think. And, and the same is true for a lot of us when it comes to life, right? 
Like we want, we want to sit in the driver's seat. We, we want to drive because we think we know best. We think we know best where we're going and, 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 and what life ought to look like and what our life ought to look like. Regardless of the fact that we have often gotten ourselves turned around, driven some ways and gotten lost, ran into a couple ditches and found ourselves broke down on the side of the road needing to call for help. We still think we know best. And so we like to sit in the driver's seat. We don't mind passenger seat Jesus. We don't mind co-pilot Jesus. We don't mind just like a, a, a little bit, like tweak a few things, Jesus, but we don't want Jesus take the wheel. You know what I mean? Like, 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 like we don't actually want that because that means surrender. That means giving up control. That means trusting that someone else out there might know better about what's best for us than we think we know for us. That's tough. Jesus says, but that's what it is. He says, if you want to follow me, if you want to follow me and find life, he says, the way is not self-indulgence. It's learning to say no to you. It's self-denial. He says, that's the way forward. It's learning to surrender and to trust that I know what's best and I know where to go better than you do. So he says, surrender. And when he talks about self-denial, he's not just talking about denying the passions and desires that we know are bad for us, right? That would be difficult, but that's understanding. That's understandable. You, you, you could go with that. But when he talks about self-denial, he's even talking about trusting God with the good desires, the hopes and the dreams and opening up your hands and trusting him with those aspects as well. And going, God, I think this is a good thing, but if you've got something better, I wanna trust you. God, I think this is a good thing, but if there's something better, I'd rather go with a God thing than a good thing. And that's what self-denial looks like. And Jesus says, hey, you wanna be one of my followers. You wanna be my disciple. You wanna come after me. There's a cost. It starts with learning to say no to you because you think you know what's best. But I'm just telling you, time will tell and time will show you. You don't. So, he says, now, not only is it denying themselves, but he continues on and he says that self-denial, that surrender, that daily surrender, he says, that actually comes with a cost. He says, they must deny themselves and then take up their cross. He says, hey, the cost, there's a cost associated with following me. You gotta deny yourself. And then he says, and then, he says, and then there's this cost and the cost is a cross. And these guys would have all known what a cross was. They would have immediately had images of, of death, of shame, uh, of, of, of torture. They would have had uh, images of sacrifice. And they would have known immediately what Jesus was saying to them. Hey, if you're gonna follow me, you gotta deny yourself. And he says, it's gonna, it's gonna be costly. There's sacrifice involved. There's sacrifice involved. Now I've heard people talk about this, like when they talk about carrying their cross, I've heard people say, you know, they, they compare carrying their cross to like dealing with like difficult things or people in their life. And so they'll say, you know, about their neighbor who doesn't mow his grass or whatever. They'll be like, oh, it's just my cross to bear, you know? 
Or, or they'll talk about, you know, how their spouse just, you know, doesn't want to watch the same things that they watch and, you know, wants to blah, 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 and they're like, you know, like, just, 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 this is just my cross to bear, you know? Uh, they'll talk about their kids and how difficult their kids are being in this season. And they're like, oh my gosh, they're three, but they're a three-nager and blah, you know? And then they're like, hey, it's just my, I guess this is just my cross to bear, Right? They'll talk about a coworker or a boss that's just really grating on their nerves, right? And they'll be like, I guess that that's just my cross to bear. But Jesus isn't talking about that. That's not what Jesus is referring to when he talks about carrying your cross, right? Your neighbor, your spouse, your kids, your coworker, they are not your cross. When Jesus says, hey, carry your cross, he's saying, hey, I'm inviting you to follow me. And that involves denying yourself, learning to say no to you, regardless of what that costs you. He's like, because sacrifice is always required with self-denial. So when you say no to you and your passions and your desires and your appetites, He's like, there's a cost that's associated with that. And that's what he means when he says, carry your cross. He's like, because when you are saying no to you, right, self-denial, there will be some sacrifice. You will, be, you will have to sacrifice comfort at some point. You will have to sacrifice convenience at some level. Carrying your cross may involve the, the death or the abandonment of a dream that you had. It may involve the death or the abandonment of plans that you had that aren't what God had in mind. It may involve the death or the abandonment of somewhere that you really wanted, you wanted to go live there. It may involve the death or the abandonment of some financial gain that you stood to get, but you were gonna get it in an illegitimate way. And so you gotta walk away. Jesus, that's carrying a cross. He says, it's surrender to me and sacrificial living. It's self-denial and the sacrifice that comes with it. He goes, this is the cost of following me. And he ends the commands and he says, hey, they got to deny themselves, take up their cross. And then he says, and they got to follow me. And that follow me, that's an ongoing verb where he's basically saying like, continue to walk with me daily. As a matter of fact, there's other, uh, a couple other gospels where they record this same conversation and in it, uh, they include the word daily. And so Jesus is saying, hey, if you wanna follow me, if you wanna learn my ways, if you wanna walk with me into life, real, full, free, eternal life, he's like, there's a cost. It's daily surrender and sacrificial living. It's daily surrender, God, not what? I want, but what you want and sacrificial living, whatever it costs, whatever it costs me. Jesus goes, that's what's required. And you hear that and you're like, that's hard. That sounds difficult. How could Jesus say that? If you're Jesus's first disciples, you're probably thinking, Jesus, that was the worst sermon ever. You know what I mean? You're like, that was a terrible pitch, right? Just to say stuff about like heaven and we'll be there and it'll be blessings. You know what I mean? Like, like what's all this with like denying yourself, dying to self, cross carrying costs? What? That's the worst sermon ever, Jesus. But you're not gonna speak up because you just called the other guy Satan. You know what I mean? Like, she's like, mm hmm, you know? 
But the reason why Jesus can say this, you guys, the reason why he can say it with authority, but also with empathy is because he did it first. He did it first. Jesus went first for you and for me, he went first. He denied himself. As a matter of fact, one of the last prayers that he prayed in the garden, he's talking to his father in heaven. And he says, if there's any other way to accomplish your mission for the forgiveness of sins and the salvation of the world, he says, if there's any other way besides my suffering and death, can we do it that way? But he says, but not my will, your will be done. He denied himself. And then he quite literally picked up a cross And he took the cost that went with the denial of self and he took the shame and he took the sacrifice of his comfort and he took the sacrifice of his convenience and he carried that and ultimately he laid down his life on a cross. He literally died to self for our sake. And so the reason why he can say, hey, join me, I'm telling you this is the best way is he went First, this is one of the things that I tell you guys this all the time. I love about Jesus. Jesus is not the football coach that blows the whistle and tells you to run faster, but he looks like he's never run ever. Like Jesus is not that guy that's saying like, go for it, but I'm not gonna do it. He went first and he did that for you and he did that for me. And he says, join me. This is where the good stuff is. This is where real life is. It's costly, certainly. But on the other side, there's something amazing. And so this is difficult. It's hard to swallow. There is a cost to following Jesus. But before you check out, and I'll close here, Jesus gives us a little cost-benefit analysis. He says, yes, it's costly, certainly, but don't give up there because Jesus is gonna talk about, he's like, yes, there is a price to pay in following me. If you're gonna follow my way, there is a price to pay, but there's also a payoff. And the payoff far outweighs the price. So he gives us this cost-benefit analysis, which we do whenever we're gonna make a big purchase or a major life change, or we're deciding which college, or we're deciding whether or not we're gonna, we're gonna move in this market, and yada, yada, yada. You do a cost-benefit analysis when you're deciding whether one spouse is gonna stay home and you're gonna go from dual income to one income. Can we do it? Here's the cost, here's the benefit. Jesus gives us a cost-benefit analysis, and he says, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. but whoever loses their life for me will find it. He says, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Jesus gives the cost benefit analysis. He says, hey, is there a price to pay in following me? Certainly, you gotta die to self. And there's a cost associated with that. You gotta carry a cross. There is sacrifice required with self-denial. He says, but look, I'm just telling you, there's a cost associated with not following me as well. He goes, if you choose to live for yourself, if you choose to freely and frequently just say yes to you and follow every passion and desire in your life, if you live for yourself and you're thinking that you're going to save your life or somehow build a life that's better than what God's got for you, he says, then in the process of clinging to your life, you will lose it because you'll lose it and you'll end up self-centered and you'll end up selfish and you'll end up empty. And he says, and ultimately you'll miss out on the life and you'll miss out on the salvation that God had for you because you'll lose it. He goes, but if you follow me, if you lose your life for my sake, if you choose daily surrender and sacrificial living 
for my sake and you follow my ways? He goes, you find your life. He goes, you actually gain life. You get life full and free and forever, life full of meaning and purpose and joy and the fruit of the spirit. You get life that, that is eternal. He goes, you get life, real life, abundant life. You get the thing that you were looking for all along because I'm gonna lead you to it because I know the way. And so he goes, this is the, there's a cost, certainly. There's a price, certainly, but the payoff, far outweighs. He closes, he says, what, what good would it be for the, someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? He goes, it wouldn't be good at all. He goes, imagine, what if you got everything you wanted? He goes, here's what's crazy is, you could get everything you think you want and it will not be what you want. You could spend your life chasing, trying to get everything you want. And Jesus goes, and ultimately it won't be what you want. And you'll forfeit your soul. He goes, it'll be a loss. He says, what could anybody give in exchange for their soul? Not a price for that. Is there a cost? Yes. Jesus wants to be clear. There's a cost. There's a price to pay, but the payoff is worth the price. The sacrifice is worth it. The surrender is worth it. And Jesus says, come on. I'll close with this. The end of his life, there was a missionary named Jim Elliott. When I say the end of his life, I don't mean he did not die as an old man. He was a missionary um, who, upon graduating from seminary, he heard the story of another missionary talk about his life and, and some of the things that he got to experience and unreached people groups and people that didn't know about the love and the grace and the goodness of Jesus and that God loved them and wanted a relationship with them. And so Jim heard that and God did something in his heart and, and he felt called to go and, and, and reach people. And he knew it was going to be uncomfortable and he knew it was going to be costly, but he said, hey, you know what? Like Jesus says that if I, if, I, if I sacrifice my preferences for his preferences, if I go after what he's calling me to at the expense of what I'm, that I'll actually find something great. This guy actually goes and he goes and does missionary work and uh, ends up 28 years old, four other friends reaching a hostile group. And uh, it's all recorded in, in, there's a book and then there's a movie called The Way of the Spear or The Tip of the Spear. And um, ultimately him and his four friends, they end up being killed for their faith. And when they went back through his journals, they, wrote, they read something that he wrote and it's stuck with me, just that this guy got it. He said, he said, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Jim Elliott, talking about this, he says, he's no fool who gives up what he can't keep to gain what he can't lose. He gets it. It's the paradox of Jesus. Die to live, lose to gain, sacrifice and self-denial that lead to satisfaction. And he got that and he lived it and he embraced it. And it's challenging for me to think about. And I hope it challenges all of us, these words. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. There's a cost to following Jesus. 
There's a price, but the payoff is far greater. And it's worth, it's worth the price. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Thank you that, um, that you're honest with us. You're direct with us. Um, you don't hide the hard stuff in the fine print, uh, but you just come and you tell us the invitation clearly and directly. Um, so thank you for that. Thank you that you care about who we're becoming, where we're going, where we end up. And I just pray you would help us this morning to count the cost. I pray that you would help us this morning to examine honestly um, the kind of life that we're living, the kind of satisfaction that we're chasing. And God, I pray that you would open our eyes and help us to see the truth in what Jesus taught, that real, real satisfaction, real fulfillment is in self-denial, not self-indulgence. And that real satisfaction and real fulfillment is in learning to sacrifice for your sake. So God, I pray that you would help us. Help us count that cost. Help us to respond. Help us to live these things out, these truths, to walk in them this week. Um, We love you, we trust you, and um, help us to believe that you actually do know and want what's best for us, um, even better than we think for ourselves. We love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everybody said, amen and amen.